We want to pass on skills to our children that will help them succeed in building meaningful lives out there in the real world, but we may feel ill-equipped to train them well. In fact, many parents themselves struggle with being able to plan and execute the tasks that will help them achieve their own goals. Today's guest, Ginny Cochis, is here to help us with building executive function skills in moms and kids. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today's topic is building executive function skills in moms and kids, and I'm so happy to have Ginny Coaches back on the show. Ginny Coaches is a Catholic wife and mom of three differently wired children. She founded the Not-So-Formulaic community to support Catholic moms raising out-of-the-box kids. Ginny believes God gives curious, creative, intense children the exact mother they need to thrive. And this is in the show notes, along with several other resources. Find Ginny Coaches at notsoformulaic.com. Hey, Ginny, it is so good to have you back. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you. Oh, thank you. Um, What do we mean? Just start us off by defining executive function skills, because I honestly had to look it up again. I always sort of forget (laughs) what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had never heard of it, actually. I mean, I I was a high school English teacher, and I had all these education courses and everything. Um, And I had never actually heard of it until um, a colleague of mine who was apologizing for her kind of flightiness, her disorganization. And uh, she she said, I just, you know, she had had a stroke um, a couple of years previously, and she was doing great. I mean, she was, you know, doing very well. Um, and it said, ever since my stroke, you know, I just have, I don't have any executive function skills. And I said, what is that? <laughs> and she actually had to explain it to me. This was back probably 20 years ago. Um, yeah, it would have been roughly 20 years ago. Um, and so she explained to me that it's, it's the, the explanation she gave me at the time was that it's how we organize ourselves, you know, our brains, our bodies, our spaces. Um, and as I, you know, Six years later, roughly, um, I had my children and um, they grew up and I started to notice some behaviors, um, not just in them, but in myself. You know, I've never really been a super organized person. Um, And I was seeing that reflected in my children. You know, things were getting lost. Um, They were so easily distracted. And I, the more I researched what was going on because of, you know, having children on the, having a daughter on the spectrum um, and then just my husband and I being, you know, kind of creative people, um, I wanted to know why we were struggling so much. Um, and I learned that executive function is um, the set of neural processes that help our brains um, keep track of the things around us and our, you know, our internal um, kind of organization system. So it's, it is the way we organize our brains, our bodies, our spaces, ourselves. And it, it, kind of branches out into all facets of life. So it's not just simply being able to keep um, your calendar or your binders organized or your room clean. Um, It's actually a lot more than that. 
Wow, that's so interesting. I'm a little bit of a brain science geek. I'm always just picking up little tidbits. Of course, I'm not a scientist and I don't understand them deeply. But the more I learn about the way our brains work, the more I'm in awe of God's design because there's so much in scripture that calls to the way we're wired, you know, to, 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 think about the future and to plan and to to be discerning mm-hmm. God's plan and all of that. I mean, you hear a little bit of that, what we're talking about there. So why yeah. why ultimately is it important for us to start to develop skills like this? If we're and you mentioned that you and your husband are creative. I'm I'm a creative type too. I tend to be okay with a little mess. I like to have everything where I can see it. I'm really tactile. Sure. And so I can look even less organized than I am. <laughs> yeah. But so so what what's that how has that been helpful? Well, you know, I think um, it's, you know, when I mentioned previously that it's not just about organization, I mean, there are other things when you, um, when you talk about executive function that are really integral. Um, So like, for example, um, my oldest, when I would ask her to go get dressed, um, she's, she's an artist, she's a reader, she's a very much kind of a, a daydreamer, I would say, okay, time to go get your clothes on. 30 minutes later, I would walk upstairs and I would find her next to her gigantic stack of books on the table beside her bed, still in her pajamas, you know, with a, with like three books open on her bed and she's reading a fourth one. Um, and then I said, well, honey, I asked you to get dressed. Oh, you did? Yes. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> you said you were going to get dressed. Um, so, it's you know, it's that kind of thing. I think the more we work on our executive function skills, which, you know, to kind of back up a little bit, you're either born with them or you're not. Um, hmm. So it's, it's something that you, you know, you really won't develop them over time unless you're actively working to build them. Um, and so, you know, for her and for us, um, you know, we, we had to really help her develop, you know, the working memory skills that she needed, both verbal and nonverbal, um, so that she could remember, you know, the series of steps in a task um, you know, when I'm told to go get dressed, I need to A, go up the stairs, B, pick out my clothing, C, you know, put my clothing on, <laughs> D, you know, like you have to you have to break it down into little tiny steps for her. Um, and it's, it has gotten much better. I mean, she's now, she'll be 15 in December. Um, and she's much more reliable as far as being able to do those sorts of things by herself um, than she was when she was younger. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's just one example. <laughs> Think of the way it's helped her and helped us because we're not, you know, we're not screaming, why haven't you gotten dressed? We have to leave in five minutes. You know, now she knows, um, you know, what she needs to do and how she can, you know, process those steps in her brain. Mm. Um, Wow, you're bringing back a really vivid memory for me. When my daughter was, I don't know, maybe five, I had told her to clean up her toys. We had this little playroom in our first home. And um, I came back a half hour later, right? And nothing was cleaned up. It was all just still everywhere. And we had Mm -hmm. bins for certain things. I mean, there was a system actually there. And I, you know upbraided her and and said a few words and went away and came back and it still wasn't being done and so I remember I ran into the laundry room and closed the door because I knew I was about to lose my temper and I was really trying not to kind of (laughs) and then I just prayed a little bit and I walked back in and I said why don't we do it together because I knew she knew how but she's also a highly (laughs) relational girl 
And mm-hmm. I see this even to this day. She graduated from college with honors. She's doing fine. She has a good job. But mm-hmm. she she needs people with her in the process to get mm-hmm. started. And so as soon as we started to do it together, things started to flow. Um, so that segues me into how did you begin this process of maybe learning it for yourself, learning it for them? What, what did that look like? Sure. Um, so the thing about building executive function skills is you need some sort of external structure to order your brain for you. Um, you know, because there, there's, I mean, there's, there are seven zones of regulation, um, that the, the typically wired brain is able to, um, to master kind of on their own. And each one of those skills or each zone builds on the one before it. So, um, you know, it includes things like, like I mentioned, you know, the um, working memory, the verbal and the nonverbal working memory. Um, The, oh gosh, I have, I actually have a whole list I can pull up because I can never remember them off the top of my head. Yeah, and I've Um, got all your links to your resources in the show notes too. So folks will be able to look at these things. Yeah, so the very first one is weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) So the very first one is awareness, um, which is kind of like the ability to notice what's going on around you from other people's feelings and emotions to the amount of available personal space that you have. Um, If you don't have awareness of the world around you, it's going to be really hard to um, interact with people, to order the, you know, to find your books, to, you know, remember to bring home your water bottle um, because you're in your own world. You know, awareness kind of brings you out of yourself. Um, to help you see what's going on. And then there's restraint, which is the ability to control the impulse to act. So, I mean, at a real basic level, this is impulse control. Mm -hmm. Um, Children, well, especially children, and sometimes adults who struggle with executive function also have a really difficult time with impulse control. Um, You know, being able to uh, not... um, or being able to sit still or, you know, speaking out of turn or all those kinds of things. Um, And then you get into working memory your nonverbal working memory that helps you remember and categorize shapes, sizes, colors, smells, appearances. Um, So if you have a deficit in um, nonverbal working memory, it's going to impact your ability to remember rules or even the steps in a process. So if you were to say, like I, um, one of the mothers in my Facebook group was talking one day about how she had asked her son to make coffee. Now this, her child is brilliant. He is, Um, you know, when he was nine years old, he was doing high school level science work, just a very smart young boy, but he cannot remember the steps in the process to making the coffee. So she actually walked him through it and he still couldn't get it right. So at the end of the whole, um, the the end of the whole experience, you know, there were coffee grounds everywhere. Um, the baby was crying, like (laughs) she still didn't have her coffee, you know, (laughs) and her son was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) So, you know, it was very, it it can be frustrating. Um, And then, you know, after the nonverbal working memory, you have the verbal, um, the verbal working memory, which helps you process verbal instructions. So for this particular child, you know, he couldn't remember the steps in the process. And he was also having a hard time processing what his mother was telling him in the moment. Um, And then the last three are emotional expression, which is the ability to express what you're feeling appropriately. Um, self-motivation, which is exactly what it sounds like. And then um, the, I call this the two P's, which is basically, you know, you break down the steps in a process 
you make a plan and then you problem solve. So planning and problem solving, being able to plan out in advance what you're going to do. And then when you get a curveball thrown your way, being able to, you know, find your way out of that. Um, so in order to really kind of learn those skills, you need those outside external reminders, so to speak, um, before you can start until, until they become like second nature. So for instance, we have lots of checklists around our house, um, you know, for when you get up in the morning, these are the things you need to do first, second, third, fourth, um, you know, get up, make your bed, um, say your morning offering, you know, go and use the bathroom, get your clothes on, put your pajamas in the laundry basket. Um, so eventually for her, um, it becomes like routine. So she's just sort of gotten into this routine of, I do these steps in this order. Um, and then other things that we have, like, uh, near the dishwasher, um, take photos of what we want the inside of the dishwasher to look like when it's been loaded. Um, so that way they can actually look and follow and see specifically where things go. So they're not forgetting how to do it. Um, you know, having, um, more checklists in the front by the front door. So when they come in, you know, my kids are in school now, we were homeschooling, but we've transitioned everybody to school now. Um, so they know, you know, where to put your book bag, unpack your lunchbox, get your books out, go do your 15 minutes of a break, come back down here for homework, you know? So everything is, it feels very like lockstep. Um, but it's more just developing those routines that kids can kind of take on as their own thing without the external support eventually, and then modify for later on in their lives. Um, so for me as an adult, you know, when I bring in the mail from the house, my routine is I sort through it at the front door, the bills go at the desk, um, you know, where my husband does the, all of that financial stuff, um, you know, catalogs and everything typically go straight into the kitchen because I'm going to look through them and then toss them in the recycle bin when I'm done. Um, you know, any packages or things get opened immediately and what's in them gets sorted to their right places because otherwise I will just come in and get distracted and drop it. And then I have, you know, all this stuff at the front door and I can't function like that, even though I do function like that, like I function better <laughs> with order. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was a really long winded explanation, but I, I hope that covers, oh. you know, um, what you were curious about. Oh, absolutely fascinating, too, when you think about the steps. I was taking a little bit of notes because I, I have a poor memory. I mean, I, I really okay. don't grab. I have to take notes all the time. So awareness, restraint, working memory, the nonverbal, the verbal memory, emotional expression, self-motivation, and then the P's, process, plan, and problem solve. Um, really need to have that all laid out and then to see what it looks like. It looks like checklists. It looks like routines. And it builds competency. I would think and confidence so that those creative minds can have that playfulness within a structure, which I always have found as a creative person, like a deadline really helps me. Or yeah. when I was in school, tell me what you want me to write about or what points you want me to prove or whatever it is that helps me to channel all my creativity to a purpose. And so yeah. I'm just seeing how your creative kids, your, you know, your out of the box kids would not be less free in this, but more free. Yeah. And it's, it's very typical in children who, um, have other, um, developmental or learning delays. So children who have ADHD, 
very often have difficulty with um, executive function delay. But children who have ADHD are also amazing public speakers. They tend to be great leaders. Um, you know, they tend to be really creative um, minds who come up with ideas that most people would never consider. And it's because their brains are so busy focusing on the amazing things that they're thinking about. They don't really have time or like the wiring really to think about, you know, oh, um, you know, I really shouldn't say what's on my mind right now. I should wait and say it later. Or, you know, <laughs> now is not the time for me to go and climb that set of monkey bars just because I'm trying to see how fast I can do it and how that would compare to the land speed of a giraffe or, you know, whatever it is that they're thinking. <laughs> you know? Sometimes the stuff that they think is just so out there. Um that's amazing. And, and amazing, you know. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so there, and and when you get the way the brains are wired, like all those neural networks are like little hubs. Um, and in individuals who have, um, you know, above average intelligence, um, the hubs are tighter and, and more, you know, they're packed in there. And so it kind of squeezes out. I mean, this is a really poor non-scientific explanation, but it kind of squeezes <laughs> out all the neural pathways that, would regularly be um, dedicated to things like executive function or to what people would call common sense. So, you know, that's why you always hear of the absent-minded professor. Well, that's because there's so much going on um, within the intellect that those more basic skills aren't as prominent. Um, and I remember I, I went to high school with a young lady who was so, so, so smart. And we used to tease her because she would frequently get confused about how to open her front door. But it wasn't because, and we knew it wasn't because she wasn't smart. We just knew that her brain was not focused on opening that front door. It was solving, you know, advanced equations in her mind. <laughs> um, she was never not thinking. Um, and so I have to remind myself that in children, you know, when we see these kinds of behaviors, it's not because the kid is... Um, you know, trying to be difficult or, you know, intentionally misbehaving. It's because their brains are just so busy and they're not set up for um, the kind of behaviors that you would anticipate from a child, um, you know, at that stage or in that particular situation, like being able to sit still and listen. Um, you know, it, it can be hard for some kids because their brains just aren't equipped for that. Wow. Yeah. So. Really high speed processing going on in the background, which is taking up a lot of focus and energy. I'm just curious and didn't ask you this in advance, but are any of your kids getting old enough to learn to drive yet? Well, my, my oldest, um, she will be 15, you know, in December. Um, and that I, I, I'm a little worried, but it'll be okay. <laughs> um, it'll be okay. She, she does have a tendency to get, um, when there's, when there's too much going on, she gets a little frantic. Part of that is, um, you know, the fact that she's on the spectrum. Part of that is her personality. Um, part of that is that she has two very high strung parents who also get kind of panicked when there's a lot of stuff going on. So it, part of it is nature, part of it is nurture. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see how her executive function skills factor into her ability to drive. Um, we may, my mother has a beach house in this very, very small town in North Carolina. And I learned how to drive there, um, starting when I was 12. Um, she, my oldest actually, um, was given the opportunity to drive, um, a golf cart when she was four. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so she has some experience behind the wheel, <laughs> but there's nobody 
on the roads. Um, you know, and it's it's just a very it's a very quiet place. Um, so we'll probably take her down there this summer um and say, okay, you know, let's let's sit you behind the wheel and we're just gonna very slowly travel down the road. Mm. Um yeah. So I'm assuming that's why you were asking um about the driving, just the executive function that goes in with that. Yeah. And also because learning to have routines and frameworks can help us know the rules of the road and what your proper yes. behavior is. But with driving, we also have to be ready for the unexpected. We have to kind of mm -hmm. expect other people to be distracted or to be, um, sure. you know, whatever, not paying attention. Um, yeah. And so it just yeah. it makes me wonder because I'm so distractible. And I remember mm -hmm. telling my father as a young driver, Dad, some days I feel like I am such a good driver and other days, I think I'm the worst driver in the world because I was having near misses. Um, but mm -hmm. God preserved my life and the lives of those around me. And I think I've gotten to be a good driver just simply because I learned not to trust my own attention span, but to keep checking and to keep, you know, looking yeah. around and being in that framework of just practicing mm -hmm. awareness. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's and, and be, having to filter in all of that different stimuli. And then remember all the steps, like when you're turning the turn signal, um, slowing down, you know, I'm, I'm glad we don't drive stick because, you know, teaching her to shift would be an extra added thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, um, I can understand why you would have felt that way. Um, yeah, yeah. it's going to be hard. Yeah, you think, you know, because your brain's smart, your brain's always working, and it knows the mm -hmm. rules, and you think, yeah. I got this, but then unexpected right. <laughs> things are happening too, or something unexpected happens in your head and you realize you've been driving for a while without noticing what's around you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so over time, what are you seeing as, as some of the fruits for your kids of practicing these kinds of skills? You know, I think they feel more at peace, you know, and, and that's, that's the key. I want them to feel at peace. I want them to feel secure. I don't want them to be um, nervous or anxious about not being able to find things, not being able to remember things, being late, um, struggling with, uh, you know, just how to interact with people, um, you know, or, or even, you know, having a solid prayer life. You know, how do you, how do you handle all those facets of a full life? Um, you know, and, and I, in helping them develop these skills, you know, that's my goal. My goal is to help them, um, you know, be at peace and, um, not feel distracted or frustrated, um, by the little things that they really can't control. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that would be, um, you know, one of the major fruits. Um, I think, you know, on the smaller side, um, some of the less, big picture items, I think would be, you know, simply just being able to turn in assignments on time, you know, and, and not be not staying up late, 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 um, trying to get stuff done. Or, you know, once you've completed something, not losing it, you know, <laughs> being able to actually turn it in, you know, this especially, I mean, in homeschool, it, 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 there is, you know, some concern about that because, you know, a child can be working on something in their room and then go to bring it to you and suddenly they can't find it anywhere. Um, you know, but if you're, if your child's in school, it's got to get from their room to the car or to the bus to the school. And then in university, you know, they're on their own. Um, you know, 
while there are, there actually are colleges and universities who have programs for kids with executive function deficits. Um, and so they do get a little bit of support or they can get support if they need it. Um, but, you know, I, I just want them to, to be able to, to have those, those wins because the, the more they have those victories, the less they start to question themselves and their value um, as a child of God, um, oh, yeah. you know, because it can be really, you know, when you see everybody else around you not having the same kind of problems, it can be really demoralizing. Um, and I, you know, just don't want that for them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you acknowledge the wins? Are you, are there just conversations about it or are there milestones and rewards? Like what kind of a, an awareness do you build around those wins so that they notice their own progress? I think it depends on the kid. Um, you know, you kind of have to figure out what their, I call it currency. You know, what is it that motivates them um, on the one hand? And then on the other hand, um, you know, how are they going to handle um, praise, you know, or um, acknowledgement? Because some children are very private. You know, my 11-year-old, my exceedingly private, doesn't like to be fond over, um, doesn't really like to be celebrated, but she also craves words of affirmation. So it's this, this interesting dichotomy. So, you know, for her, um, it's typically just a, Hey, I'm really proud of you. You know, you did X, Y, Z. And then that's it. You know, mm -hmm. for my oldest, it's like a big celebration. Like, Hey, let's put this, you know, let's write down on a piece of paper that henceforth on this day, you were able to, <laughs> you know, and then put it up on your wall and then yes. she'll you know, do a little celebratory dance. Um, you know, and then for my youngest, he's, he'll be seven in a couple of weeks. And um, for him, it's more just a, like, I give him a little laminated card with little checkoffs for things that he needs to bring home from school. So, you know, water bottle, glasses, books, lunchbox. And when he, when he, you know, uses his little marker and checks those things off, then, you know, he comes home and gets a little treat. So it's like, <laughs> you know, for him, it's like this tangible, like, you know, hey, I get some chocolate if I do all this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yes, right now with him, it is kind of like the carrot and the, you know, the stick. And um, but as he grows older, you know, I think it will be easier to um, be more abstract with it and, and not as concrete. Um, it's just not where he is right now. So, yeah, a little just fun nugget of brain science is that when we talk about the neuroplasticity of the brain, the way it responds to our practice, our habits, our use, and strengthens neural pathways that become more and more familiar so that our habits become yeah. stronger and more embedded. But the other thing is yeah. that when we celebrate, even just a happy, happy dance, a fist pump, or a good for you, a high five, a something on the wall, those little celebrations cause a response in the brain. It causes a little dopamine hit, which tells the brain, oh, I like to do this thing. And I, and we'll now start to look forward to that thing and wire for it. So it will strengthen those right. neural pathways, not just because of repetition, but because of the happy feeling that followed accomplishing it. And it makes it easier and easier to accomplish those things. So the brain is very responsive to celebration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. So any final thoughts you want to leave us with, Jenny? No, I just, you know, I think it's really important for parents to understand that um, what looks like, you know, impulsive, destructive, completely disorganized, you know, disregard for anybody's space or personal belongings or even their own belongings isn't, you know, it isn't intentional malice. You know, it's not, um, it's not laziness. It's not, um, 
you know, your, your child's not damaged. It's just a matter of building up that executive function school skills nine times out of 10. Um, and that, you know, their behavior is always communication. So, you know, if you see something that they're doing, um, there's typically a reason behind it. You know, there's, there's something else going on. So, um, you know, I think those, that would be my final um, just recommendation or final thoughts is, you know, to always look at it through the lens of what is my kiddo trying to tell me based on what they're doing, how they're behaving and what they're having trouble with. So. Mm. Oh, that's such a compassionate view. Uh, I think that's just a beautiful note to end on, Jenny, because we are all wounded. We've all had our own frustrations with ourselves and struggling with our kids like that, we can start to take personally. And so mm -hmm. when you know that it's really just them struggling in their own brain development and calling mm -hmm. out for a little help, it really does change the landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Denny. It's always good to have you. And we're going to have you back again really soon. I'm excited. Yeah. We're going to do another topic with you very soon. Everybody, please find Ginny Coaches at notsoformulaic.com. That's in the show notes. But if you're just listening, it's N-O-T-S-O-F-O-R-M-U-L-A-I-C.com. Not so formulaic. And lots of other resources in the show notes. Thanks for being with us. And stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi everyone, I'm Chantal Howard with From Ideal to Real here with another episode to hopefully help you move from dream to reality, especially as it relates to your homeschool mission. So Happy New Year, the new liturgical year, of course, with the launch of Advent, we begin again the cycle of living through the life of Christ. And I hope that you will take your homeschool train and hook it <laughs> to the church's life so that you can experience the beauty of the liturgical life breathing through your homeschool, bringing distinction and refreshment with fasts and feasts, with seasons of festivity and penitential practices so that you never feel stagnant. It's a beautiful, wise gift that the church has given to us. And our Lord allows us to walk with him through all of the different emotional seasons and experiences of his mission. And we can correlate our homeschool to that. So in particular today, as we look at this Advent season, I want to remind you that you are the author of your homeschool. If you're feeling the pressure right now, as the world is pushing us forward, materialism is speeding up, expectations, concerts, sports, all of the stuff that gets piled on this time of year, I want to give you permission to remember that you can put on the brakes and pull back like the spirit of Advent asks us to do into the darkness where we live in anticipation awaiting the dawning of the light. And one way that we can do this in particular is by adapting the tradition of the Danes, the Danish tradition of huga. <laughs> huga is a word that means basically creating an environment of coziness. And the word, the Old Norse word that this comes from means to think, a space to think, to reflect, to allow our minds to be enriched with things of beauty and depth. And so this is the moment for you to be able to bring to the forefront of your home life rich literature, to perhaps consider pausing the screens and, and bringing out the, the board games instead and creating a, an environment where your children can learn handcrafts 
or art or cooking or things of this nature. Now, I don't want to overwhelm you because everybody's at a different place. And again, you are the author. So consider choosing something new, refreshing, and simple that you can implement this Advent that will help bring about a feeling of huga in your home. Maybe it's candles that you light around the Advent wreath. Maybe it's uh, putting up the Christmas tree early, but refraining from decorating it with Christmas everything and instead just having white lights, waiting, waiting for the ornaments to arrive as you approach closer to Christmas. Maybe it's prompting your children to read aloud, do some choral reading or music. This is the time when we can freely and confidently know that the Lord is asking us to dwell in this space. So be not afraid if it means that you postpone papers or you put a pause on some heavier academic work to create an environment where your children can live richly this season of Advent. It will bring about renewal in your homeschool and I guarantee you the work that they produce on the flip side of this season will be even more astute and their their language skills, their ability to present, their ability to articulate things will be advanced simply by creating this cultural environment. So one of the reasons uh, that we do this is because we can feel in our homeschool that tension towards productivity and efficiency and get it done, get it done, get it done. And if you're feeling that anxiety rising, then I, I just want you to know that this is your invitation to pause and to choose again. I'm Chantal Howard. You can find me at aromarosary.com or chantal-howard.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at catholic.oil.mom. Stay tuned for more episodes coming to you soon. Take care. that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.